Hello, dear friends. I'm very happy to welcome you again and very happy to announce that today, although not in the Alatra TV studio, but still, we have with us the esteemed Igor Mikhailovich Danilov. Greetings. Igor Mikhailovich, sincerely, it's very hard for me to express in words how happy I am to see you again and have an opportunity to talk to you again. Thank God we all have such an opportunity. About three months have passed since our last video titled For Everyone. And throughout this time, a lot of people were genuinely worried about you. They bombarded us with questions on how you were doing. What happened to you and why we were not in touch for so long. And they were so happy to see you and watch your appeal to people on May 7th during the forum, Global Crisis, We Are People, We Want to Live. Igor Mikhailovich, it is totally clear that the last months have been very difficult and very challenging for you as well. To be honest, I don't know how to ask this question correctly. But a great many people wonder what happened during this time. What happened to you? Because there are already rumors that a missile hit your house. Is this really true or not? And again, people are worried and asking whether everything is fine with you, your family and friends. Thank you, friends, for your care. But everything's all right. We are alive, as you can see, even though we are not on Alatra TV, even though we are far from our studio. But we are here. As for what happened, Yes, many people asked. And I was also told various stories, sensitive ones about me and my house. Some even rejoiced. In vain. Prematurely. Well, I guess it is worth telling firsthand, as they say, so that no one would alter it. There is nothing secret here. When the military operations began, unlike other people, we were forced to stay, including myself. Let me explain why. Our friends, our participants stayed at home and didn't want to leave. Since they didn't leave, I couldn't afford to leave either, and I couldn't even afford to take my family out, because people stayed. Although there were explosions nearly every day, there was shooting. Well, this is actually Bucha district, not the city of Bucha, thank God, but not far from it. And it basically lasted a little longer than a month. On March 28th, my house was indeed shelled. I had been warned just a day before that there would probably be hits at my house. This is really true. The settlement had already been hit, and more than once. But I'm saying again, we couldn't leave, yet when… On March 28th, three missiles landed, two on the garage and one on the house, we made a decision to evacuate. Well, I believe people will still be interested, so in order to make sure, there are no rumors because there were witnesses and neighbors, Talk started, then television came and filmed the house, and there were stories of this kind. I will tell you how it was in reality. Near the garage there was a close relative of mine, a good man, my son-in-law. My wife was in the house while I was walking from the garage to the house. And I was about 15 meters away from the garage and about 10 meters away from the house. At that moment the first shell landed and hit the boiler room in the garage. Naturally, the roof was blown off, all the doors were battered down, while my close relative was literally near the garage. At the moment when the doors were battered down, he was injured a little bit and was hit by the roof as it was crashing. Nonetheless, he jumped very quickly, as far as I could see. He jumped into the garage, and hid under the car. There was a Ram 2500 pickup truck in the garage. 
So the second shell landed directly, the roof was already gone, and the shell hit precisely that truck. I'd like to thank the manufacturer. I don't know whether they will get this message or not, but I'd like to publicly thank them for making such a sturdy and reliable truck. This is not an advertisement for the ram truck, lest they think. I'm advertising the vehicle, but in fact, we had been using it for five years, and this truck never failed, and most importantly, it withstood a direct hit from Grad. While my relative was under the vehicle, naturally, after the explosion, he quickly crawled from under it and moved away. But that was already after the third explosion, yet the third explosion directly hit the house. I'll say once again, my wife was in there. That's why many rumors started that my relatives had been hurt or something else. Yes, the explosion was very strong, knocking out everything possible. But the thing is that, after the second shot, between the second and the third shots, literally a fraction of a second before the third one, my wife had time to get out of the back door, so she was behind the house. Clearly, the doors were battered down, but she had already moved away. Thank God no one was hurt. Like I said, I was between the garage and the house. Yes, there were lots of splinters. It wasn't very pleasant. There was a blast wave, a couple of light knockouts or light contusions, as military doctors say, but nothing terrible happened. Hence, it's not time yet. The management knows better, right? Hence, there is something to do. Hence, I'm needed here. And since I'm needed here, it means we'll keep doing what we've been doing. But after the situation, when it became clear that it wasn't a joke, that there would be a deliberate attempt to purposefully bombard my yard, it became clear that similar attempts could be made at other objects in our settlement, while those include, pardon me, the coordination center and other houses of our participants. So we made an emergency decision to simply evacuate from this area. We spent the night packing up our things. And in the morning, although under shelling we quickly evacuated everyone. Thank God. While shooting followed us. Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, when we were leaving, we had to hide behind buildings and wait for the shelling to stop. Well, that's normal. In our consumerist format, this is natural and normal in such situations. But thank God everyone is alive. We managed to evacuate everyone. And perhaps the most interesting information came when we were a few hundred kilometers away from our area. I'll say it again, that we decided to evacuate all the women abroad. So, we received information that the military operations in our area had stopped. And afterwards they were not resumed, although there were partial hits and heavier explosions took place in our settlement too. But our objects were no longer targeted. I mean, obviously, there was no longer an interest in us, because it was clear that we had already left. So again, I want to thank the specialists who helped us to get organized quickly and guided all our participants who were leaving from that area to the border. Many thanks to you guys. They also risked, they risked just as we did. Well, they knew what for. Thank you. Those were really courageous deeds on their part. Thank you. There is just nothing to say. Yes, truly, only enormous gratitude for such a safe, so to say, passage to the border. Right. And many thanks to those who met us in the territory of another country. Yes, that too. I want to sincerely thank our participants too, 
who met our participants on the other side of the border and helped and keep helping to this day. Thank you very much, guys. It's a good deed and it's very valuable. Thank you for not forgetting. We appreciate that you helped and keep helping. It's very valuable. It's understandable that such is the situation. It is really grief, it is really misfortune. But when people remain people, when they share someone else's grief, it becomes a lot easier, it is easier to carry it when you don't carry it on your own. Thank you, guys. Truly, thank you. Igor Mikhailovich, I would also like to join your words of gratitude to those people who helped us. I know for sure that these people see us now and they recognize themselves in what we are talking about. Therefore, many thanks to you that someone else's grief, someone else's misfortune doesn't remain external to you, that you treated it as your own grief. And thank you very much for your support and your solidarity. Thank you for the fact that this sense of home, this sense of one united family is preserved here as well. Thank you so much. Igor Mikhailovich, but there is also another thing. In difficult situations like this one, people usually expect some help from certain agencies, such as the Ministry of Emergencies and so on. Yet already many times, when discussing the subject of cataclysms, we said that we cannot always count on the help of those agencies. I'll put it this way, sometimes it's just impossible. Here's an example, our house. Everything was burning and blazing, of course, there was a risk of fire in neighboring houses. We even tried to put something out as much as we could, and we dealt with the trees so that the fire wouldn't spread to the neighboring buildings. We definitely called an emergency service. They responded that, despite all the respect and understanding of the situation, they would only be able to come when the shelling would be over. They said that as soon as the shelling is over, they would come right away, it is clear that everything burned down. And I'll say again, we were leaving the next day, taking our women out. The shelling continued, and shooting even followed us. So, clearly, how could they arrive and extinguish? It is merely a house. Well, those are living people, and you have to understand it too. It is wrong to risk people for the sake of extinguishing someone's house. Igor Mikhailovich, the events which are now taking place in Ukraine were a huge surprise for many people, and many still do not even believe that this is happening to them. Of course. Well, some people don't even believe that this is happening at all. They think that the information about Bucha is fake or some kind of falsification. You know, I'll tell you the following, for the one who wasn't in Bucha, it's a fake. When a person is sitting at home, when everything is quiet in his place, when he's fine, there is no threat, there is a peaceful sky above his head. He starts saying that the events in Bucha are a fake. I would advise such people, go on a tour, look at what kind of a fake there was, and imagine yourselves in the shoes of those people who were there. We were literally under shelling for a month, many times every day. We saw houses exploding, we rendered assistance, we helped. Obviously, we were in the thick of events, and still consciousness was telling many of us that this may happen to our neighbor, it may happen to anyone, but missiles won't come to us. And people told me straight, lucky you are, the shells won't hit you for sure. Well, those who said that do know. I'll put it this way. Shells, missiles and bombs have no soul and no consciousness, they fly where they are aimed. While those who launch them… We can talk about this for a long time too. When military men shell a peaceful settlement that is totally uninteresting either from the military point of view or from any other, unless it is done to destabilize people morally, there is no other point in that. So what can we say about such people? It is understandable, they were executing their mission. But what can we say about those people who assigned such a mission, who gave such an order to shoot at civilians? Even, you know, excuse me, I'll put it simply and from myself, if you are given an order to shoot at civilians, 
and under pain of death that if you don't do that, you would be killed. You start shooting at civilians, you have already died. We can understand those who defend themselves. A person is forced to defend himself. So when a person is even forced to take a weapon and defend himself, that is understandable. Let's say, is it a sin or not a sin to kill people? It's a sin. You mustn't kill people. But when defending yourself, you do your duty, you defend yourself. Yet, excuse me, when people with heavy weapons start shooting unprotected civilians who pose no threat whatsoever, when there are no military sites or anything else nearby, what can we call that? And how can this be explained? It is clear that under pain of death he shoots at civilians because he was ordered to do so. On the one hand, we can understand such people, but how can we understand those who give this order? Yes, it is clear that from a strategic point of view, this is done in order to produce destabilization among the population, to create such a heavy atmosphere. This is destabilizing. But killing people in order to destabilize someone, in general, you know, is a difficult topic. Any war, we are not talking about Ukraine now, although in Ukraine a lot of people have suffered and continue to suffer. This is also wrong. Any war, wherever it is, is wrong. I understand that now we can blame specific people who gave the orders, who did that. They have their own justification and vision. But, you know, people say, who is to blame? I'll put it this way, everyone. All citizens of this planet are to blame for the fact that wars take place. Everyone is really to blame, each of us. I'll try to explain, my friends. When it doesn't affect us that someone dies somewhere or someone is killed somewhere, we are indifferent to that. We do nothing. Hence, by our inaction, we favor killing people, innocent people civilians who are innocent of anything. This is true. When we can do something, but we don't do that, hence we do what? We encourage those murders. And that, where the truth is concealed. It is tough, but it's fair. Even Jesus Christ said in this regard, but this is close for Christians, that the world would be divided into sheep and goats. This exactly relates to help, inaction and everything else. We mustn't. We mustn't be silent, we mustn't be idle. Otherwise, we literally turn ourselves into goats by our inaction, because what is happening sort of doesn't affect us. Yet does it really not affect us? Let's just say, let's go back to our situation. Who thought it would happen? No one. Everyone thought it would pass by, that those were again just recurrent political games, that it was just scaremongering and talks, but nothing would happen. After all, pardon me, it's the 21st century. All people are smart, all people are knowledgeable, they are humane. They will stop, they won't do it. Although, again, that very situation in Donbas, which has been going on for eight years, after all, people died there too. Well, you know, there is an excuse for everything. You can always justify something, especially your own inaction. When we are silent, evil multiplies. Whereas, if we as people all over the world said no, all evil would stop. But as long as we don't say that, evil multiplies, and eventually it may come to any home, to your home too. God forbid, friends, that you go through that. However, it may happen at any moment. Moreover, when you don't expect it, did any of us actually expect it? Well, except for some people who knew it was going to happen, they evacuated their families, they themselves escaped long before it started.
while the rest of people, ordinary civilians, did they know it was going to happen? It was a surprise in the morning, when bombing began, when people began to die. That's the way it happens, unfortunately, but this is true. And all of us are to blame, in the literal sense of the word. At the forum, Leslie said it well, we, people, killed people. So, we also thank Leslie for his sincere words and his deep understanding of the situation. It's really hard, and indeed is a threat to each and every person. No one is safe. Until the last moment, people didn't believe it would happen, and even when it happened, they didn't believe to the last moment that it could happen to them, that a shell could fly into their house, that someone could shoot them, anyone, but not them. But unfortunately, a lot of people were hurt. Unfortunately, our participants died too, those who were aware of the entire situation and were trying to do something for people until the very last moment. They continued to prepare for the conference, compose and edit videos, as well as many other things, understanding that they were on the verge of life and death. They tried to do at least something in order to stop this evil all over the world, to contribute to implementation of the Creative Society project and to protect everyone in the world while remaining very vulnerable themselves. And unfortunately, there were those who died. These are the true heroes. There is nothing else to say here. While they themselves were in danger, they were rescuing others at a time when the others, the ones whom they were rescuing, were safe. Didn't even know about them, didn't lend them a helping hand, and didn't say stop. But this is really so. You see how it happens. This is life. Unfortunately, that's how it is. It is very painful to realize that among the Alatra movement participants, among the participants of the Creative Society project, there are people whom we all have failed to save. Certainly there are. And you know you are so proud of them, and you treat it with great respect that they didn't panic in their last days, they didn't succumb to fear, but did their best and were guided by the principle. Even if my life ends now, even if I have no future, let other people have that future. You know, this reminded me of one hadith about the Prophet Muhammad, where he said, if the final hour comes while you have a shoot of a plant in your hand and it is possible to plant it before the hour comes, you should plant it. Indeed, these people, understanding that their lives were doomed, did everything possible to save each other, to save the lives of the entire humanity. The entire humanity. Because they understood the value of life. Exactly at the moment when the truth comes out, when you understand all vulnerability and helplessness, when you cannot do anything against this evil, you understand the value the value of human life. That's when people begin to truly value other people's lives, even understanding that he is doomed. He creates for people, for the entire humanity. Because our people who died remaining at their battle station knew and were well aware that the war that was going on would end sooner or later. Not everyone will be killed. Someone will survive, peace will be restored, cities will be rebuilt, states will be restored, and everything will fall into place. But they were very well aware of the coming cataclysms, of what was happening to the climate, of the fact that the trouble is much worse with that enemy, with whom no agreement could be reached and no truce could be negotiated. And with that enemy, 
there would be no compromise. They were well aware of what awaited the entire humanity. Therefore, they spent their last moments taking care of people. You know, these events are a wonderful test. On humanness. And an audit of values, yes. Yes. Because if your values are some material benefits or material values, then these are certainly very difficult events for a person. But if your value and meaning of life are first and foremost to be a good person, to be a generous person, to be a compassionate person, to be that person who saves a neighbor, then any events in life and any conditions are opportunities to realize this meaning of life. There is certainly a lot of tragic, dramatic events happening around the world right now. And, you know, this is probably a condition for all people to have this audit of values and to exemplify their humanness. You know, even in the Holy Scriptures, it is said that in order for people to come to their senses, an epidemic, a war, and a famine must take place. Then humanity returns to God. I would not want that. There is another way. It's the wrong way. Yes, we all went through an epidemic. Thank God, not all of us are going through war. But famine, it is not right. People should not suffer. People should live in joy, love and happiness. They should acquire something much greater than what this world can give to a human now. It is all in our power. We can change the world for the better, if we want it. That's the point, if we want it. And for us to want it, we must know that it is possible, we must understand this. We must understand that the Creative Society, for example, for example, the Creative Society, is really capable of changing our entire world, not only to stop wars, but also to remove such concepts as epidemics, famine and suffering. Why? Because modern science has already gone far enough to solve a great many problems, to solve the problem of water, to solve the problem of hunger, and to cope with a lot of diseases. This is really so. The energy issues. There are a lot of things. And if we as humanity really want to become humans, to become a civilization, then even greater opportunities will open up before us. It could be a beautiful world indeed. The only question is, will we have enough humanness and vigor of spirit to build a creative society? Will we have enough understanding that this is necessary? Or will we, as always, like thousands of years before, hope that someone will do this while I'll sit this one out? If we are guided by that, then nothing will work out. We won't be able to counteract the climate this time. We have nothing to confront it with. We don't have a solution. We don't even have an understanding of what is going on with that climate. So far, science is busy with other things. People are divided. While climate disasters are progressing very quickly, unfortunately. It is all growing. It is growing, not for the better. But we do have a good chance. Indeed, we have a huge chance, but for that we must consolidate, for that we must remember that we are human beings. And I want to say that there are a lot of good people. During this time we met a huge number of wonderful people who really helped, who welcomed our, so to say, evacuees with an open heart. This is really so. I'll say it again, I thank our friends who welcomed and helped us with an open heart, as well as absolutely unfamiliar people whom we met for the first time, yet they were helping us. Not just, you know, as they say, for show, but from the bottom of their hearts. There are many good people, and all of us are actually good people. It's just that, you know, this imposed stupidity makes us bad. The consumerist format of course, we also met those who, 
How to put it politely? I just want to warn. You know, I'll give you a simple example. It is well known, it's been talked about for a long time, when you have a loaf of freshly baked bread and you break two pinches of it, you want to give one to someone who needs it and keep the other for yourself while you have a loaf. And you think, won't I become poorer? Don't give it to him. Do not give even a pinch. Keep it for yourself. Keep it, my friend. Don't share it. Don't share these pennies while having plenty. I'll explain why. Because you will become poorer. Stuff yourself with your bread. Because later on you'll have to starve. And you will never taste it. While for those true human beings who kept a pinch for themselves and gave a whole loaf to people, for those my soul rejoices. You know, those who really opened their doors, those who welcomed and shared the last. After all, this is so. What can I say? Those who open their house for us. Yes, as Tatiana said, those who open their house for them, for those people, my house will always be opened. How can it be otherwise? Right? These are true people. And so, the world rests on such people. Yes, my friends. You know, there is a lot of foolishness in the world, but there is also a lot of wisdom. Everyone chooses their own. You know, I was once asked, how can one distinguish good from bad? For instance, I'm going to do something, how to understand whether I'm doing a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it borders on magic, and people are very prone to magic. But there is not a magical technique, but a spiritual one. How to become aware? What is the right thing to do at this particular moment, in a human way? Even if it concerns business, there is a very simple way. When consciousness begins to impose some idea on you and tells you that something hinders you or something needs to be done, or tells you to act precisely this way towards someone, while inside you feel something different, inside you feel just the opposite. For example, that you shouldn't do something, or you should act in a different way. Or consciousness tells you, someone is in a situation, don't get involved, sit back, you have a lot of your own problems. But inside you feel that this must be done. Or in business, you want to buy or sell something, it doesn't matter. Consciousness tells you it's not profitable, but inside you feel that this should be done. So, whoever you listen to, that's what you get. If you are guided by consciousness, you may gain a short-term benefit, but you will lose more. If you are guided by the innermost, you will always be right. Even though at first it may seem that it was the wrong decision, but after a while you will be convinced that it was the only right decision. At this point, I would just like to say, don't be impulsive, friends. Don't undertake such ill-considered deeds. Take heed, especially when it relates to some serious issues in your life. Listen to what your innermost tells you, what comes from there, what decision to make and which way, how to act in one or another case, then everything will always be fine. Even if consciousness may sometimes be indignant, consciousness is actually for doing silly things. Well, we can discuss this topic a lot. God never lies. You're right.
Our consciousness is not a tool of God. Our consciousness is temporary, is a tool of the devil, and it is always deceitful. Sometimes it can pretend to be truthful, but if you haven't disciplined it and do not control it, it will lie, not only to people, but also to you. It will create false images and act instead of you, the way it wants. Whereas if you are guided by your inner world, you will always be right and will always do the right thing. Because as Tatiana said, God never lies, because it is God. And indeed, everything is simple. Well, we hadn't seen our friends for three months, and we began with such a topic. But there is another good topic. I would like to thank the participants of the forum Global Crisis, We Are People, We Want to Live. We are very thankful for the fact that people are not silent while knowing the truth. You know, I also recall the words of Silan the Aphanite, who said that the world is doomed to perdition and it has no other way if people who speak bravely and straightforwardly would disappear. Because if there are no people who speak bravely and straightforwardly, there won't be those who hear them. And if there are none of those who hear, there will be no people who act honestly and truthfully. Therefore, the voice of truth must be heard until the last moment. And that's where the circle closes up. If there are no people who act justly and honestly, there will be no people who tell the truth. The circle closes up. And if we cut this circle, the world will collapse. So as long as there are people who are honest and decent, like those whom we saw at the Forum and many others whom we met, the world has a chance. But again, everything depends on us, friends, on how we will be guided by this chance, whether we will miss it or roll up our sleeves and say, enough, maybe we should Indeed, stop giving the reins of our lives into someone else's hands. After all, we are not sheep, and we are not goats either. This is true, after all. Yes. You know, Igor Mikhailovich, you have just returned to the subject of the story described in the Bible regarding sheep and goats. And you know, I'm very much impressed by this story, because indifference is really a great sin. And there is such a storyline It's there. a mortal sin. A mortal sin. And you know, Jesus Christ turned away from those people who didn't help him with food when he was hungry, who didn't quench his thirst when he was thirsty. He was thirsty. When he was a wanderer, those who were not hospitable to him, and so on and so forth. He said that if they didn't do it for the least of these, they didn't do it for him. And you see, there is such an insight that people sort of didn't deprive anyone of shelter or health directly. They just didn't lend a helping hand, and God no. turned away from them. you're wrong. Let me explain, my friends. After all, many people are mistaken in this matter. When there is someone in need, of something, food, water, or clothing, who has nowhere to live, who is simply unhappy, who is sick and helpless, we are all to blame. Because we, humans, have let such a situation in this world happen, that there are those who are in need. This is really so. And when on top of it all, we are also indifferent to their grief, we do not share it, it means we distance ourselves from them. By distancing ourselves from them, we exclude ourselves not only from the human world, but from the spiritual world too. What is the spiritual world? It is unity in many, and many in unity. However, when we exclude ourselves from many, we knowingly deprive ourselves of the future. After all, this is true. Yes. And that's what Jesus Christ mentioned. Yes, of course, everyone can interpret it as they like. But you know, there is truth, and truth is verity. And that verity, the truthful verity, is present in all religions. We are accused of sort of going against religions, and there are clergymen of certain religions who simply hate us, because we tell the truth. Well, 
I don't even dare call them clergymen, you know. I would say they are demons in robes, who mounted their asses on people's necks and fight and do everything they can to stay in their cushy position, to enrich themselves, to have power over people, so that people heed and obey them, you know, such kind of devilry. That's the kind of people we actually spoke against in our videos, but we didn't say anything bad about religions. Yes, much of the truth that the Prophets had brought was twisted. And who twisted it? Those very opportunists, isn't that so? But, on the other hand, there are so many wonderful people in religions, genuine people, who have really come to serve God. They didn't come to take the best place. You know, like a person in search of a prosperous livelihood, that there would be money and no need to work. No, they came to serve God. And there are a lot of people serving to this day. And we meet a lot of people like that. And do you know what the paradox is? All of them, regardless of denomination, regardless of religion, accept Alatra as the truth, because they find in it what their Prophet spoke about, what God's Messenger spoke about. This is really so. Why? There are no two truths. Any person, especially if he is in some religion, or something else who claims that we have the truth, while the other religion doesn't have the truth. If someone, being a Muslim, denies Christ, he's not a Muslim. If a Christian denies the Prophet, the last Prophet sent by the One God, not only does he deny the Prophet and Islam, he denies God. What kind of Christian is he then? That's the point. You know, our consumerist format has deformed everything. It has deformed religions, it has deformed believers. Everything has turned towards consumerism. How many intrigues those demons dressed as clergymen used to plot against us, if we recall, right? Well, let's just say mainstream channels in Ukraine and Russia showed and spoke about us and slung such mud at us that, God forbid, but we know very well who paid for all that, who ordered this filth against me, it's okay, it's fine, spit and sling mud at me. You are in your right. It hurts to watch, I know. But what does it have to do with people? People who do a lot of good, why sling this mud at them? A simple question, out of fear? Do your demons freak out when they see the truth? There is no other way to explain this. Out of helplessness. Of course. Because it is indeed the time of truth, Igor Mikhailovich, and it is greatly felt, and people feel sincerity very much. They understand that their end times are coming, that these are the last times when these demons can satisfy their animal nature. People are getting smarter, people are starting to feel the truth, I'm not saying that everyone gets up and goes to Alatra straight away. That would be great, if that were the case. Then tomorrow we would have the Creative Society. But many people do open their eyes in their religions, and they move away from the false priests, but come to those who really serve God. And there are many such people in all religions that brings joy, it really does. As for the fact that those people intrigue, order-sorted stories, well, this is normal. Goodness, in the Creative Society project we only touched upon the topic of carbon dioxide, and immediately such frightened pseudoscientists and those who are behind that order to make a story against us on BBC, didn't they? On the BBC. On BBC, that's great. Thank you, that's great indeed. Yes, we thank them, they promoted us on BBC by ordering a sordid story against us. But you know what I paid attention to? That the journalist who did it, he watched our forums, and he is actually a good man. He did his job as a rhapsode, a corrupt journalist. What else can he do? He has a family, he wants to eat, he wants to keep his job, but he was commanded, given an order, and he fulfilled it. He picked on us a little, he made fun of us, certainly not the way they did it on mainstream TV channels. 
in Ukraine and Russia. But nevertheless, he acted as a man who became imbued with the truth. He smoothed many edges and gave people a chance to think for themselves and figure this out. Still, there are people everywhere, even among Judases. Rhapsodes, excuse me, remain rhapsodes. Well, this is a forced situation. What is the fundamental difference of the Creative Society? You cannot have private media there. The media should belong to all people, and those who call themselves journalists should stand at the front line. They should always convey the truth, verity to people, and not tell some people in some way today and others in a different way tomorrow. You know, these double or triple standards. What is paid for is what is told. Here they pay a different amount, so a journalist begins to describe it in a different way, saying he was previously mistaken, right? Are those really journalists? Are those actually people? Moreover, in mass media? No. While in the creative society such things are impossible. Why? If a journalist presents false information to all people, he will be responsible for that. A person who imposes lies cannot remain unpunished for it. This is wrong. You know, Igor Mikhailovich, the task of any hate of this kind is to stop the movement. But you can see that, on the contrary, the movement is growing and the ranks of participants of the Creative Society project are also expanding. Right. And why is this happening? Because hate messages are periodical and the money paid for them runs out. Of course. While the movement participants are guided by completely different principles, by their conscience and the truth. Right. And even those who have read this filth are curious about how filthy all this is, whereas after joining and seeing purity, seeing really decent people, true heroes of modern times, excuse me, only an idiot, or indeed a goat, would not want to join the ranks of heroes. Isn't that true? That's why even they serve for the benefit. Going back to the TV rhapsodes in Ukraine again, for a very long time they asserted that we were a pro-Putin sect. In Russia, they claimed that we were created by the security service of Ukraine and conducted subversive activities in Russia. So, priests no longer know what to invent. Why? Because, I put it straightforwardly, secret service officers understand everything very well. They are smart and educated people. They know, see and understand very well. They have checked everything and everyone. And they understand that these people are really volunteers from all over the world, who really want to do something good for all people. You know, of course, there are scumbags among secret service officers too, but they are too few. Still, there are a lot of good people in agencies. And the paradox today is that the biggest number of influential, I emphasize, influential jerks are actually in religions. It's a paradox of modern times. They have sold themselves to Satan to such an extent that they trample on the truth, the truth coming from God Himself. Is it right to do that? They are not afraid of anyone. They think they are immortal. But they are wrong. Suffice it to recall, according to what is now already known, how many murder attempts were organized in the past years? Well, you know, one very good man once said to another good man, you didn't give this life, so you are not the one to take it away. Therefore, all the murder attempts they organized were executed by people. And I have to say that there were enough good people among them who just came and said, I'm sorry, I was told to do that, but I cannot. And I want to thank those people simply for their humanness. There are humans everywhere. So, thank God for death. Igor Mikhailovich, I just find it slightly comforting that hatred is actually helplessness. Certainly. When one cannot do anything about it, when one cannot do anything to the movement that has stepped on one's sore spot. Yet what can you do to the truth? Exactly. The truth is certainly the last thing people want to hear. Why? Because in our consumerist format, the truth is, you know, like a pin. 
let's say, in a shoe that pricks your heel. It is very unpleasant and uncomfortable, and it's impossible to walk, or like a pebble in your shoe, when you have to walk a lot. It hinders you. Even a little truth hinders. While, pardon me, that which is discussed in Alatra, that which is discussed in the creative society is actually the verity. It certainly hinders and it certainly frightens many people. That's where their hatred originates from, because they understand that they are wrong, that they do not live by their conscience and their honor, that what they do is punishable, not here, not by their laws, but by the laws of the Almighty. And they understand where they will be and what fate is prepared for them. That's what makes them angry. You know, I recall… There is no other way to say it, you know, demons make demons mad. Here I recall how a deadly, wounded beast behaves. Yes. It is very furious in its helplessness. But you understand that this is only at first, because the end is predetermined, because this wound is fatal. This is what we now observe. Yes. So when a lie collides with the truth, the lie is doomed, of course. It is doomed, but it will bite. And yes, we have already experienced this for many years. There are attempts to bite. But what's the point? It is pointless. Here I just want to say, you know, it's no longer possible to stop the truth. When millions of people around the world are involved, any attempt to bite will only make people angry. Angry in a good sense. It will make them more capable, so to say. And even more truth will pour out into the world. You know, it's like stepping on your own tail. Evil has to accept the fact that it's time to stop its activity. If we, people ourselves, don't stop it, it will stop by the will higher than ours. The world is on the verge anyway. You know, recent events, the pandemic, wars, politics, geopolitics, they have distracted us from the climate to such an extent that many people have simply forgotten about it. Only those who are so far in favorable regions have forgotten. As for those who live in the regions where these events are actively taking place, you know, they haven't forgotten. For instance, if we even take footage from our Bucha in Ukraine and look at what happened and what people did there, and look at what the climate did in Mayfield, Kentucky, United States, it cannot be compared. The climate is absolutely ruthless, inhumane. It has no soul, and you cannot come to an agreement with it. It's a program that is activated and it works. But in order to stop it, we should resolve its code, the code by which it operates, and counteract it with an equal force. But we can do that only together, as the entire humanity. We have no other way, friends. Yet we still have time, we still have an opportunity. And we have both time and opportunity, thanks to such good and wonderful people who are with us now. So thank you, friends, for your humanness. And thank you for giving hope. I hope that this world has a chance. This is wonderful. It is really wonderful when you have at least a chance. Right? We can do a lot, a lot if we want to. Well, unfortunately, such is the world, you know. I understand that now people want to know what, when, how, to look into the future. You know, we can already talk about this. In 2011, we warned, and almost all mainstream channels in Ukraine showed us and quoted our words that there would be plenty of blood in Ukraine, there would be trouble, there would be war. And we said what had to be done. Do you know what that ended with? All the channels that filmed interviews altered everything and said, crazy sectarians who are scaring Ukrainians appeared on the outskirts of Kiev. 
This is what journalists said on many mainstream channels. Yet I would like to ask, where are those journalists now? A little time passed, those journalists disappeared, and our country began to drown in blood, whereas back then we could have stopped it. After all, it was a direct appeal from us, from our representatives, who called things by their proper names and said what had to be done. Actually, not much had to be done, and everything would have changed. But it is much easier to laugh, to ridicule, to insult, to humiliate, and eventually to get the utmost kickback for that. Unfortunately, many innocent people have suffered, and more will suffer. For what? For someone's stupidity? You see how evil begets evil. Meanwhile, Anastasia Novik warned people that if the alarm, oh, which had been silent for 800 years, would sound, brother would go against brother, and we would drown in blood. I'm not quoting word for word, but that was the meaning. It is clear that she softened it up in her message, and literally, after a few years, we heard this alarm that had been silent for 800 years. So, how can we tell people anything? How can we explain? And how can we warn them, if they don't want to hear? We actually talked so much about what would happen, and it happened. They don't listen to us, they don't want to. You know, the truth is rejected by our consciousness, by our demons. That is why all these predictions do not bring anything good. If we take what the last Prophet said, does that inspire anyone nowadays? Please tell me. After all, he mentioned all the signs that we see now. So what? Has the entire Ummah joined the Creative Society as one? No. Why? Because it doesn't benefit some people. This is the truth of life, friends. We don't listen even to the Prophets. We don't want to listen to them, because it's inconvenient. What other proof do we need, though? Who needs it? Our consciousness. Right now, consciousness has all the evidence that these are the end times. And we see the progression that is increasing in climate change. We see the world going mad. They've already started talking about nuclear war or something else. This is surely splendid, isn't it? Why should the climate kill us if we can do it ourselves? Well, I'm sorry. Isn't that ridiculous? I don't know what to call all this. I don't have civilized words. And I just don't feel comfortable, friends, to express myself the way the situation deserves, to call things by their proper names in front of you and Tatiana. I hope you understood what I wanted to say in this regard. There are no other words for it. We are simply insane as humanity. Well, if there is a disease, a doctor is also needed, right? And the doctor is in each of us, friends. So, we need to heal ourselves, and we should heal society as a whole. Then we will have a chance. You know, it's very hard to look at what's going on. It's hard to look at how you sow as if on a rock. But thank God the seed of truth is sprouting. And a parallel with the Prophet comes to my mind, who also had a very hard life, and he also faced human consciousness that demanded something, some proof and so on. But there were also good people in his circle, those people who understood the value of the truth that the Prophet in particular had brought. And they really wanted to thank the Prophet, and they asked how they could do it. And he answered, I don't ask for any reward, simply love one another. This is the ultimate. And such a parallel arises that you end every conversation with the words, an encouragement for people to love one another, despite what they do. 
This is really the ultimate reward a person can earn while being here. It is both so simple and so little, so important and so great at the same time to love one another. It is everything. It is the highest reward. And I would be happy throughout ages if you, my friends, loved each other. What can I say? The world would change. And this civilization would serve the spiritual world for billions of years to come. Isn't that wonderful? You see, while everything starts with a simple thing, you should learn to be a human, and you should learn to love one another. So, friends, I apologize for today's conversation. We haven't seen each other for a long time. We would like to talk about something good. But those were your questions. And we just wanted to tell you, so that there were no rumors, so that no one would make up anything. You know how it goes. It's not people who decide. There is our management. What they consider necessary is what will happen. So far, we are still here. Hence, we should work, should not be lazy, and should do everything within our ability, right? Right. And most importantly, love each other. So, friends, thank you for everything. Let's just love each other. Thank you. Thank you, Gary Mikhailovich. Thank you. Thank you for being here.